this is causing friction. This is the podcast where we get a little uncomfortable, a little awkward on our journey of healing through mindfulness and becoming self-aware. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I am very excited to introduce you to Stephanie. She is an intimacy guru. She is the coach that you need in your life to help break those generational cycles. Stephanie, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm seriously so excited. I love when I get to have these conversations where we're breaking generational patterns and really talking about that tough thing that nobody wants to talk about that everyone is thinking, but nobody is saying. Um, So who am I? I'm a mom of three. I'm a wife. I'm a business owner. Uh, By trade, I call myself an intimacy and relationship mentor. I've been doing mental health work for 13 years. And along that journey, I was figuring out who I am. Uh, One of the hardest things to do was get diagnosed with PTSD after having two children because I was so gung-ho about breaking patterns and I had these goals. And then here I am stuck with this diagnosis that I had no idea that I had um, and then had to backpedal even more because of the damage I believe I caused to our younger children before I got the diagnosis and understood myself in a much deeper way. And then here we are, fast forward five years, we now have three children um, and our children are doing so amazing. We're eating incredibly healthy. Uh, We're doing all the things that I had craved to do, knew I should have been doing, but didn't quite know how and figured out how to do that along the way. Amazing. Well, first, I hope that you are very proud of yourself for where you Mm -hmm. are today. It sounds like you've come a long way. And I know that that road is not easy. Mm -hmm. So what we're really going to touch on this time is intimacy outside of monogamy. And I know that when I first say that, ears are going to perk up and be like, "Mm." So are you talking about cheating? Uh, No. Mm -hmm. And that is the exact mindset that we are trying to reframe. Right. The entire concept that intimacy is only between two specific people in a partnership or a relationship. And to me, that concept is very old and outdated. And I know that you and I talked offline about this much more in depth about the entire concept of as millennials, we're at this really awkward in between (laughs) generation where those ahead of us. So those older than us are in a generation where they have their ways, they are stuck in them, and they're not really interested in exploring anything outside of that. Mm. And then the generation below us are down for anything 24 seven change every single day, nonstop. And we're kind of just like, uh, what are we doing here? How yes. do we maneuver this? Like what is for us? What isn't for us? And really trying to find our voice. And trying to find what is right for us without harming other people, without feeling like we're doing something wrong all the time. Mm. And I feel like the concept of intimacy, when you stretch it across those three different generations, it is so incredibly black Mm. and white. Mm. And we're again in the middle. We kind of feel like this gray area and we're just trying to explore what it can mean for us as individuals again without feeling like we're wrong, without feeling like we are doing something incorrect. Mm -hmm. And having intimacy outside of a relationship, physically, emotionally, it's automatically deemed as an affair. And I find that interesting because we put ourselves in a box and doesn't that almost lead to monogamy and those kinds of relationships failing? Oh, good question. Um, So there's actually three things that I want to touch on. One of them is 
you're not broken. So listeners, as you're listening, and we've already clearly touched on some hot buttons within the first few minutes. So if you're like, that is a hot button for me and you're reacting to it, know that your reaction is loved and cared for and appreciated and that you're not broken. It's just whatever beliefs that you have been blindly agreeing to your whole life or trained into believing by your family or whatever it might be, we're challenging those a little bit. And we're not saying that your beliefs are wrong. Cause if you genuinely have sat back and been like, do I really believe in this? Because basically what a belief is, it's thoughts that you stopped questioning. So if, if you've stopped questioning these thoughts, awesome. You've done the work. If you've done the work and you've really figured out this is what I want, what I crave, then your beliefs are your beliefs and we love and respect them. But if you're reacting because out of fear or out of the unknown or out of anything else, we want to question those beliefs. We want to, we want to figure out like, is this, is this something that I crave or don't crave or why am I reacting? Um, so know that you're not broken. And then intimacy, I'm going to just right out the gate. Intimacy is not what happens or just what happens behind closed doors. That is a form of intimacy, a level of intimacy that we hold to the highest regard. Um, I try to not compare things. I try not to say something is bigger or worse or better than others. That's one of the big patterns that I'm trying to break. Just because I'm doing one thing doesn't mean I'm not doing another thing. Or just because I choose one thing does not mean I choose five other things. Just means I'm choosing this one thing. And it doesn't, correlation is not causation in everything that we do. Um, So intimacy is emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, experiential intimacy, spiritual intimacy, all these, uh, did I say emotional, (laughs) emotional intimacy? I think I did. Yes. All of these ways that we connect with humans. And so in some, in the line of work that I do, some people, when there's been an affair, they're not actually caring about the actual affair. They're caring about the broke and the breaking, the breaking in trust that they had, like we didn't talk about this. You lied to me. You went behind my back and you chose what you wanted to choose instead of had a conversation with us. Like it's the emotional intimacy. That's really um, a problem for some people during, during that break in loyalty or uh, that disconnect in, in their relationship. Putting ourselves in such a narrow and small box mm-hmm. that it can almost lead to relationships failing mm-hmm. because it's kind of the concept of, is it unrealistic to be seen and heard by one single person that we make our vow to yeah and that most society is seeing as the end all be all so how can one single person meet every single one of our emotional intellectual experiential spiritual needs like doesn't that almost seem impossible especially with what we're taught doing a lot of like inner child work our parents can't meet every single one of our needs. So how in intimacy with partners, can we expect the same thing from one single person? Yes. That is a, a, there's no one person that can meet hundred percent of your needs. Never Mm -hmm. will there be one person that can meet hundred percent of your needs. And one of the categories that I kind of don't always mention is the physical touch that is non-sexual like hugging and handholding and, and whatever physical touch that is not stimulating an erogenous zone or require taking clothes off. Um, there's, there's times where couples like, uh, usually it's like the female will get jealous of the male hugging another female 
right? Um, it's like in the way you hugged her and how you held her, like those are how those are ways you hold me or hug me. And then there's this comparison kind of mentality that goes on. And when we start to get into that comparison mentality, that's where we're we're judging ourselves against other people and or our connection against other people's connections. And like I um, try to explain, so to give the listeners a background, monogamy is is two people souls together. And we're not saying that's wrong. We're by no means saying that if you've committed to that and you're happy there, great. If you get to a place where you're not happy and you're trying to figure it out, start asking the right questions and start seeking out the right help because there's there's exploration that can be done where two people can still maintain their connection. Um, and then there's polyamory. So it's two or more. Now I'm going to also make some clarifications. Polyamory is not, you just go and are sexually intimate with anybody you desire to be sexually intimate with. Um, polyamory is where you're in committed emotional relationships where there's that loyalty and love and connection. Um, so if you're, if you're kind of just having fun and you're hanging out with whoever you want to hang out with, that's called swinging or open relationships. Um, it's, it's just, it's purely a sexual intimacy kind of style of living life. And if that's what you choose, that's what you choose. Um, no one's here to judge anyone. No one's here to say right or wrong. Let people live their lives, how they choose to live. Uh, if, if there's anything you, I'm challenging you here, listeners, it's just to stick in your own lane and look at your own lane and don't worry about what other people are doing and imposing what you crave in your life on others. That's not fair. Um, and it's not fair for people to do it to you. So polyamory. Um, I work with couples who are polyamorous. I'm working with a uh, couple right now where they have identified as poly for seven years. Um, but w- one of them is the only one ha- that has gone out of the relationship, has has had partners outside of their core marriage. And then the other one has identified it, tried it, figured it out, but just realizing that they don't really care to ex- adventure into other relationships. And so they're starting to lean back towards monogamy. Now, how does that work? Well, you want one thing and you want the other thing. So how are you going to live a healthy relationship together? At the core of it is communication, understanding when it's your turn to receive, when it's your turn to give, and when it's your, both of your turns to work together as a team. And oftentimes, um, just what I said there, people are like, oh, that's too difficult. That's like too much work. It's like, okay, well, life is work. Um, we, we have to invest time into fixing the machine. Machine's not just going to work <laughs> all the time with the same oil and the same pistons and the same, you know, check engine light. If the check engine light comes on, you got to do work to fix the check engine light. Communication and understanding each other is the same thing. Um, I am not, for example, I'm not the same person I was when I met my husband at 19, <laughs> 11 years ago right? We're totally different people now. So I'm going to have different views, insights, perspectives. And now we have to get to know each other in a whole different light after having children and all that. Um, so that that alone is is work. So it, dep- it, just, it just depends on which machine, machine you choose and how you're choosing to continue to maintain it. I really appreciate also what you're saying about you're not the same person that you were when you were 19. Mm. And so this also brings up the idea that intimacy at every stage of your life is going to look different as you evolve as a person. So maybe when you're 19 and you're young and in love and everything is super Mm -hmm. exciting, maybe it is a a little bit more of the the physical aspect. 
Maybe mm. it is a lot more of the touching. Maybe it is a lot more of that sexual desire, but maybe as you grow as a couple and you get to know each other, it's so much more the emotional intimacy that you're looking for and the experiences mm. together to solidify that bond and create a very unique relationship between the two of you. And how can we as individuals assess what intimacy looks like for us at the stage that we're currently in and maybe look back at what we used to need, maybe what we're going to need in the future? Two things come to mind. Um, I have always been notorious for being the why baby, but why? Why does it have to be that way? Like what, why? Um, And so there's not always an answer, which I get irritated because I'm like, there's always something. It's just, I don't know what it is yet. There's always this ability to see, just to believe in that there's something else out there. And I just, it'll come to me when it's time to come to me. I just don't have all the information right now. Um, And then the second piece is, and then um, asking yourself. So not just why is something it is the way it is, but asking yourself, like, what do question your beliefs, go back to that piece, like really question your beliefs and stick through the resistance of it. Uh, don't let the resistance hold you back. Don't let that, like we get these feelings in our bodies when we think something is wrong. For example, my husband and I, um, so when I met him when I was 19, it was like, Oh, you know, I could never be mad at you. I literally said that to him. (laughs) Like how young and completely innocent um, was I at that point? And he laughed at me and I was mad at him for laughing at me until we had three kids. Right. So then I was focused on family. I, I always craved to have a family. I wanted to have that family environment, that household, all the things that I craved. I have that now. And so now that I have that, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But I, I, f- I felt like this piece of me was missing and I didn't quite know it was. And then I got into like avid hiking and spontaneity and adventure and like doing all these really crazy fun things that most people couldn't even dream of doing um, in these like long miles and big mountains and crazy terrain and all this stuff. And so um, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, wow, I need to live at least one day a week with no responsibilities, no entrepreneurship, no mom, no wife, no, no, nothing, just Stephanie on the trails in the mountains. And my husband loves to just sit at home. (laughs) He loves to be a dad and just be a husband and be a homeowner and be an employee or a, a boss. And so he, he like just enjoys doing those things. And I, I enjoy them too, but there's this other side of me that is just like screaming for adventure and he has no, no real passion for it. He has passion for it, but in his own way, not in my very ridiculous way. Um, and so how do we balance that out? How do I continue to live me and also live the life that we've built together? How does he continue to live him and also live our life together? And so we, we've had to have serious conversations around that, which there have been tears, there have been upset, there have been disconnects, like threatening. Basically what happens is we threaten our, we shake up, not threaten, but we shake up our safety net. We shake up our foundation. And when you shake up your foundation, it's like, is my life going to be what I need it to be? Right. Is my life going to continue being what I crave to have? Like, if I go after this, does that mean I have to give up all this? The answer is no, you don't have to give up anything. Uh, and, and that, that resistance that happens of like that fear of having to give up what we want 
question that, go back to really challenging yourself. I can have these things. I just need to figure out what the pieces look like. We're kind of building the puzzle as we go along in life. So your example of you really needing that adventurous side, does that look like the entire experiential intimacy? Is that kind of what that realm fits into? Ooh, good question. Um, that is, it's actually a mix. I would say it's a mix, especially because of the adventure that I'm choosing. Uh, the, the mountains just bring out a whole side of people. Like there's no masks in the mountain. You can't wear a mask. It will eventually get knocked off by a trail buddy by a trail experience, by a trail conversation, it'll, it'll get knocked off in some way, shape or form. You have to genuinely show up and be who you are, uh, because of your life and their life is at risk. Like when safety is, is in play, there's no chivalry. There's no, I'm bigger than you are. There's no, you know, any of those kind of, uh, societal beliefs that we, uh, take on. We have to leave them, at the car. We cannot bring them on the trail. So to answer your question that there's this deep level of intimacy, emotional intimacy, even physical intimacy. Like for example, a couple, um, weeks ago I fell and just my knee and my shin is all bruised up still two weeks later. The person I was with is a firefighter paramedic. If I'm playing macho, like, no, I can do this myself woman and not allowing this person to help me. I'm putting myself and them at in danger, um, particularly because it's winter time and temperatures are very low, uh, depending on where you fall, how you fall, like you could die from freezing and, and that's within minutes. Um, because obviously you won't die within minutes, but you can start to get hypothermia within minutes, depending on your location and, and the winds and stuff. So, um, the, the spot, the excitement out of that, <laughs> I'm going to clarify, I don't have any death wish. It's just that playing with that danger a little bit, like playing with that fire a little bit is something that's really exciting. But again, it requires a lot of trust and open communication with the people that you're with so that you can keep each other safe. And to answer, that's an intimacy that I don't have with my husband because he doesn't do that kind of stuff with me. Like the most dangerous thing we do is have children. <laughs> well, that's pretty intense too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like that you're expanding on the word trust there because mm -hmm. at the core of any kind of intimate relationship or intimate bond you are forming with people, it's trust. And that is what's going to kind of make or break that intimacy is whether you can develop trust, maintain trust, and then in turn be vulnerable mm. with that person to share an experience, to share emotions, to share a sexual experience. It really does come down to trust. Mm -hmm. And how you define trust. So one of the things that I try to help with uh, clients when I'm working with them and really anyone who I'm having a conversation with Basically, if you think about your, your mindset or your beliefs or the images, there's two different sets of images. There's the ones that only you can see, hear, think, believe, experience, and then the ones that everybody else can also see, think, hear, believe, experience. The challenge is, is when we both see the same thing, we're filtering that experience through our own lenses, through our own mm. only 
things we can see, hear, think, and believe. And so when we're having conversations with people, we have to find a way to understand each other and ourselves and then work our way into the middle. So we have basically, I kind of think of that as like a tapestry. Each day you got like a circle of a tapestry and it starts real small when you first get, and then you get bigger and bigger. And each day you add like an inch of images and colors and whatever around the edge. And then the next day you're sketching, you're sketching it as you get out of bed. And then by the end of the day, it's fully colored in. maybe parts of it hadn't been colored in, but it gets more filled by the next day, right? And the next day and the next day. And it just become this huge tapestry of images and pictures and sights and sounds and everything that we have. So when we think the word trust, what comes to mind for me is most, I'm trying to think, okay, for on the trail, trust would be if I fall, you're not going to run away and leave me alone. Like I'm trusting you mm. to also put your life in danger to keep me safe. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'll do the same for you. That's also loyalty. Another word of trust would be that level of loyalty. I'm not asking you to put your, uh, not asking you to, if you're on the verge of um, death, I'd rather you leave and keep yourself safe than, than try to save me too. Right. So that's another layer of trust that we have to have a conversation around in order to continue our, our experiences in our, in our life or on the trail. Um, trust in my relationship with my husband is, hmm, when I come and need to cry, like, I know I'm going to cry right now and I just need to say what I'm going to say so I can cry. I need you to just be here and not try to fix it. Like, that's a level of mm. trust. Whereas if I'm going to somebody else, I might want them to fix it. Doesn't mean I don't trust my husband to fix it. Just means I don't want him to try to fix it. I just want him to hold space. But this person, I I trust to try to help me fix it. There's, the trust doesn't compare because it just is two different people, two different experiences. They both ha- hold two different, completely different weights in my life. Um, so it's it's all about what you apply, what you see for images, not what everybody else tells you trust means. Absolutely. And I think it also comes back around with Okay, so intimacy can be defined in 10,000 different ways for each person. Mm -hmm. But the core of it, it seems to be safety, trust, and communication. Loyalty. Um, When we're defining just the term intimacy, yes. When we're describing what that looks like, also Mm -hmm. very different. How, where right. do you like to be touched? Where don't you like to be touched? Both close on and close mm-hmm. off, right? How do you right. like to be talked to? Do you like to feel included or do you like to just have your tangent, have my tangent? Like, how do you want to have communication? Um, there's there's all these different ways we can engage with each other. Uh, and it's important to try to understand somebody else's style of communication, both verbally, mm-hmm. non-verbally, all of it, so that we can meet each other in the middle. And it also sounds like the way that we can understand someone else's communication style, it also comes with a level of emotional intimacy Mm. needing to be a part of that. I would say vulnerability. There is a requirement to be vulnerable, to be open enough where where our defenses are not on. And Mm -hmm. if our defenses are on, if you're a fighter and you're fighting, you need to catch yourself. That's your responsibility to recognize, oh, I'm fighting right now. That, that, them is fighting words. I need to take space, right? Because this is not going to go. It just happened yesterday. Hour and a half ride um, home from where I was spending time. And I was angry 
where I, with uh, a friend of mine, when I left, it took me an hour and a half to like not respond. I wanted to text so bad and be like, da, 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 right. But I knew I was in, I was in aggressive mode. I was angry. I was frustrated. I kind of was like blaming the situation instead of really trying to figure out what I was really frustrated about. And because I spent that hour and a half of really thinking through, okay, what's happening here for me and asking myself what is going on for me, not what the situation is presenting, what's going on for me. I was able to find answers and have a a more, way more level-headed, successful conversation than the blame and shame and guilt that I would have imposed. So it sounds like a lot of self-awareness is needed in order to have that level of vulnerability with people in order to have a successful relationship and more intimate bond with them. And to not, not to shame yourself, not to Mm -hmm. place this blame on ourselves. This we, you know, I could have I could have told myself I was stupid and why am I believing in these things and why am I even thinking these things? And I could have gone down this just giant rabbit hole of blame and shame and guilt, which is, is our body's natural defense to fight or flight or whatever, however we naturally react. Um, And so that, yes, that awareness is, is super key to have maintaining of the level of vulnerability we need to actually achieve an outcome in some conversation or experience that we're having. What I also want to ask you about emotional intimacy, mm. why I'm going to generalize because it's okay. I kind of feel like it's necessary in this instance, just because it's a great example. Mm. Why do men struggle with emotional intimacy man to man in a friendship level or maybe even partnership, mm-hmm. but more so than anything, why is it so common that we see men struggle with emotional intimacy and friendship? Great question. And it's, it is, it could be seen as a stigma, but it's actually a, a, a strong, unfortunate truth. Um, mm-hmm. Men, it, I have a few beliefs around it. Um, these are hypotheses. These are not judgments. These are not pointing fingers at anyone. These are just kind of what I've observed in my time and in my conversations with people. Um, Most men are not nurtured in a way that allows them to have that openness and that vulnerability with themselves or with others. And so you have to be macho and you have to do all these things. Well, and it's not even just men, it's feminine and masculine energy. We, we both body types or whatever your body type is, whatever you identify as, as humans in general, I should say, let me go there. Humans, all humans carry feminine and masculine energy. So however you choose to present on the external is totally your choice, but internally you have one that is more prone in general or in different occasions, situations. And unfortunately, those who present as males are forced to be this stronger, bigger, tougher, you're not allowed to cry, you know, don't cry or rub some dirt on it or, you know, whatever the response might be. Um, they're not, they're not, they're taught, they're not, they're not allowed to do that. So in doing that, you're weak and you should be shameful and you can't take care of your family and all of these other ridiculous beliefs around their emotions. Um, so there's that. And so then to answer your question, 
uh, that starts in childhood. So when they get together, they're, they're not allowed to share their weaknesses. They're not allowed to shed tears. They're not allowed to, they have to, ha ha ha, I'm joking, but I'm actually really upset right now. I'm just not allowed to share my upset. I'm just going to share it through, um, uh, through humor or aggression or whatever else the individual chooses in that moment. So this also leads me to a very important question as females in partnerships and relationships, our sexual desire is deeply connected to our emotional intimacy that we have with our partner. Mm -hmm. So if we are in a situation where our partner is reluctant to be vulnerable and give us that emotional connection that we need, Mm -hmm. how can we as the other partner be supportive and show them that it's safe to be vulnerable in order to get the emotional need we need in order to be a little bit more sexual and have that desire again? Mm, Great question. And I, my brain's going ping, 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 ping. There's like so many ways to talk about it. (laughs) Um, And, and so I'm going to do my best to keep this as um, easily understood as possible. Um, it all, again, always starts with conversation and really the conversation I I created this, this kind of Venn diagram. So if you draw a Venn diagram on your paper or in your head and the left side of it is me, the right, the middle of it is WC for workable compromise. And then the right side of it is you, them, they, whoever. Um, and so you'll ask each of you will ask your, each other, these questions yourself. And then the person I want for me, I want for you, I want for us, you want for you, you want for me, you want for us. So that each party can really get a bigger picture of what each person is wanting. Problem is, is sometimes we, the person who's struggling with the vulnerability can't go to those depths to really figure out what they're craving because vulnerability equals danger. Um, And so in order to figure out what behind closed doors looks like, uh, there, there needs to be lots of work and conversation outside of the bedroom and the person or the female, as you used in your example, if she is craving that emotional intimacy from that person, it's very important that being patient with the process. Um, as long as the partner, your partner is taking steps to do something, have conversation around, take action, um, do something where they're conveying that they're working on what you've asked them to work on, then stick around and be patient with the process. Now, if you get to a point where you're like this, you're not working hard enough, or, um, this isn't progressing fast enough for me, you know, then there's a whole different kind of conversation to be had. Um, so that's kind of the starting point, but then to go into actually like people who are succeeding at communicating, succeeding at really figuring out what they, each person craves intimacy, physical touch, sexual touch, all of it. Our body, muscle memory, our body has muscle memory. So if your muscles are reacting to something that actually is not how you want to react to it, then there's, there's kind of like, um, practicing in that moment that needs to be done. Just like when you go to the gym, if you're working with a trainer and you've got your shoulder up by your, your ear and you're kind of doing these little T-Rex, like your trainer's like, what the hell are you doing? Your trainer's going to tell you what to do. They're going to tell you to drop your shoulder. They're going to tell you to relax. They're going to tell you arm all the way down arm or whatever they're going to tell you, right. To really learn how to do these 
hammer curls, I think they are, or whatever they are, <laughs> correctly. And so if there's some, an area in the, of these individuals' sexual life, they need to kind of take space and not focus so much on pushing the gas pedal for orgasms and just stop and try to figure out what does this muscle need or the situation need uh, so that we can both enjoy it next time without having to think about it. There's a lot here that I could go off of now. (laughs) So kind of coming back around to that first statement I said, where we discussed why are we putting so much pressure on one person to fulfill all of our needs? Mm -hmm. So say for the instance and the example we just gave, if for some reason our partner cannot go to the emotional level that we need in order to be fulfilled, is that where other intimate relationships can come in in order to help make us feel fulfilled in that area? So can friendships be intimate enough where we have that emotional connection to then not necessarily fuel that sexual desire on then, you know, our partners, but just have that need be met emotionally Mm. to make us feel fulfilled Mm. it depends on on uh the people and the agreements that are being made so um the couple for example that i'm working with the one who has no desire to have an outside partner awesome totally respect that you know if that's not a desire for you then that's not a desire now the partner who has the outside there's been conversation between the couple of um, what do you crave? Do you crave to have a connection with the other partners? So for anyone who doesn't know, if a couple, so one couple is male, one person is male, one person is female. The female is the one who has the outside partner. The male is in a relationship vicariously through the female with the female's partner. So those mm-hmm. two, that relationship is called metamor. They're, they're, they're in a relationship vicariously through the middle person, which would be the female. And so um, the metamors, they can't necessarily put, putting rules on each relationship is not acceptable. That's, that's jealousy. And you cannot try to control another relationship. That is important not to do. However, the, the husband and wife, the husband and wife can communicate with each other so that they're figuring out what, how to make this work for them. And so the husband craves to have a connection with their metamor. Their husband craves to be able to communicate with the metamor, not necessarily about the wife um, or the partner, right? The middle ground, but like, I don't know, video games or whatever history, whatever they're in excited to, to talk about. Um, the husband craves to have the metamors over for dinner or, you know, just kind of hang out as whatever it is. And um, the husband and wife have talked about the the children. The children don't need to know the adult side of things. They're just, you know, mommy and daddy's friends are coming over, whatever it might be, uh, however they communicate about it. And so there, there can be conversation between what that those relationships look like for each other there just can't be placing well if you do this with me you can't do it with that person right um so to go back to your initial yes it's okay to be able to meet get your needs met as long as it's not being done out of spite or out of aggression or out of resentment any of those things. If you're doing it because of a fear-based reaction, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and it's going to fail. I appreciate that you're also noting about the intent 
Mm. If you're going into it with a negative intent, then it's going to have a negative reaction on all your relationships. And that's just kind of the way that anything in your life will work. Mm -hmm. So let's go into intimacy in friendships, because there's a lot of stigma around you can't be intimate with a friend. Because again, that makes it sound like it's just a sexual desire, but we know it is so much more Mm. than physical um, outside of, like you said, you know, kind of like those closed doors situations. Mm -hmm. So how can we explain what intimacy and friendship is? What can it look like? And how can we kind of break that stigma and take it away and show how important it is to be intimate with your friends? Mm. That is definitely challenging because it depends on the level. Again, I try not to compare or level things out, but there mm-hmm. is a there's an amount of time. So we could we could talk about each inter- relationship individually, but there is a, a certain scale. And that scale being the amount of time you've been friends, the amount of open conversations you've had, what has the year intimate right. relationship already looked like? Um you know, I have a friend of mine who was in her wedding and I wouldn't go and be like, Hey, you know, like, let's just do this thing. Cause that just wouldn't make any sense just as an example. Right. But if you've been with a friend and you've, I don't know, cuddled on the couch just as friends and you're just cuddling and enjoying each other's warmth and connection and uh, whatever it might be. Um, and you've just watched movies together. Maybe you've held hands. Maybe you've demographics like a kiss on the cheek is is part of their faith. It's part of their way that they kind of just live with each other. And so um, if that's something that is part of your is just naturally part of what you do and it doesn't have anything further than just a hello on a peck on the cheek, um, then don't look into that further. Right. Because it might be different for you than them have a conversation around what does that kiss mean for you? Because when I, when you kiss my cheek, it creates a shock through my body. And that shock is something that I'm curious to understand and learn more about, right? Be very open and, and what your true intent is versus just going. The problem is, is so many people <laughs> time and time again, Stephanie, help me fix this. <laughs> it's like, did you ask the right questions? Did you explore? Or did you just go based off of intuition and energy because sometimes that intuition and energy you're you want more than what you can reasonably have right now so I think it's also important to note that intimacy is yes it is extremely personal but like you just said it is also a two-way street Mm -hmm. and it needs to also be understood the receiver and the giver on the same page all the time so I know that personally for myself I am actually someone who does not like to be necessarily touched or have that form of intimacy with Mm -hmm. random people. So if I go to meet someone for the first time and they go to hug me as a form of they are trying to create like a safe space, it actually makes me feel almost unsafe and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I save for my very intimate, close relationships, because for me, it takes a level of trust and safety being built through emotional connection Mm -hmm. in order to get to that place where I feel like touch is okay and accepted. And also I am willing to give it because that's a form of deep intimacy for me, even in friendships that takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of emotional connection in order to build. Mm. Uh, The physical touch and vulnerability and safety. Those are, those are all kind of what you were just referencing. Um, And the one thing I would add is if 
if someone is in that situation or has been in a situation where they went to go give somebody a hug and the person had a reaction, don't take it personally. It's not about you in that mm. moment. Um, it's not meant to, again, just because you're reserving hugs for a certain area of your life does not mean that you are rejecting people and not, and don't like them. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it's also extremely important, like you said, to not take it personally mm. and be, be offended by that because it's an extremely personal thing for myself. And it's always not willing to explain it either. Like I'm much more of someone who is willing to kind of like shake a hand to assert a hello and kind of, mm. you know, start a connection. Um, and I know that it's thrown people off sometimes. And it's always kind of funny to me because I'm like, mm, well, for me, like that's a level of intimacy. I'm not willing to just give to everyone because I also think of that level of intimacy as very sacred. Mm. And that form of love for me is very sacred. And I give it to people who I create that bond with. And I think that a lot of people I've noticed in my life, I don't think that they understand that level of intimacy from me and my friends who I am extremely close with. And like you said, like we can cuddle, we can kiss each other on the cheek and we have that very special bond. I almost think that they, it's been so long and such a, a deep rooted connection with them that it's almost amusing for them when they see me meet other people because I don't give that away. Mm. I'm immediately just like, Nope, nope. That is reserved for my very special humans that I have my connection with. Mm. And they almost forget. And they're just like, oh, okay. So I I have that level with you. Exactly. It's like, I am special. And it's like, yes, I reserve that for very special people in my life. Mm. (laughs) And again, it's not that other people aren't special. It just is, this is a special connection that you've worked and invested a lot of time into. Absolutely. And again, it's not, it's not black and white. It isn't just these mm-hmm. people get this and then these people don't get this. There is a gray area. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we are really trying to explore with this conversation that we are having on the podcast in general mm-hmm. is that it's okay to be in between and to explore multiple different things. And being in that middle generation, I feel like we really need to let go of a lot of shame and guilt that comes with a lot of this generational cycle that we are trying to undo. So Stephanie, do you have any last piece of advice if people are trying to explore any forms of intimacy in friendships and relationships, or maybe they're trying to explore different forms of relationships? Yes. If you have listened today and you're like, I want to know more about this and that really irritated me and this really frustrated me. And how dare you say that? I want to hear from you. Um, I actually love having those conversations. I love being able to support people through their challenging uh, resistance kind of experiences that they may be having when they're listening or experiencing anything really in life, not just this podcast. Um, my goal is to teach people how to have such determination and resiliency and excitement to create and experience and uh, go through change that it, it it's possible to do. You're, you're always going to have reactions. That's just the way the brain works. Um, but it is possible to figure out, bounce back a lot quicker than these two, three, four or five days of like feeling frustrated and irritated with our lives. Um if you're wondering like how, where do I even start? You can go to safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call 
free 30 minutes just to chat and figure out like, is this, would I be a good fit for you to help you on that journey? And if not, I have plenty of resources to offer for people to really just begin asking themselves the the why question and figuring out what are my beliefs and uh, what do I crave to have in my life, by my life, by my design, not by anybody else's. Thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. Um, where can everyone find you on social media as well? Yes, yeah, safety in, I-N, freedom, safety in freedom, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all over the place, YouTube. Oh, YouTube is the Intimacy Truths podcast uh, where we will have you on, which I'm very excited to, to have you on. And then um, you'll see all of the plethora of 200 something I think videos or something crazy like that.